Welcome to this edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, a show that curates the streaming media industry news of the week that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the data and analysis you need without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Here's your host, Dan Rayburn, with co-host Mark Donegan. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn, along with my co-host, Mark Donegan. Mark, welcome. Hey, Dan. Let's do this. We have a lot to talk about, as we, usual. We do, yeah. I mean, there's always so much going on every week, even when it's yeah. quiet and there's no earnings and there's no acquisitions or funding. There's there's never a lack of pieces of content we have to we have to cover and talk about. And, you know, Mark, maybe let's start there. Some some people do ask sometimes just why we cover certain pieces of information and more importantly, why don't we cover other pieces? And it's a, it's a valid question and really comes down to time. We, we really want to keep this 20, 25 minutes on average. And there's just so much news that comes out every week. So Mark and I try and pick the things that we think are most relevant that people are either missing in the market in many cases, just haven't seen. That's it's right. it's flown under the radar a bit. We we like breaking down numbers. We we think those are important, obviously. Uh, so th- this week we've got some sports news, which is none of it's really surprising, but it's interesting and it's worth a discussion. We've also got Netflix earnings coming up on January nineteenth, which are going January. to be uh, sorry, January. Yeah, that, that's how busy it is right now. Well, maybe, July. maybe January twenty twenty three. I don't know. I'll check the dates now. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, hopefully their earnings are good next January, but July nineteenth, right. man, that's that's going to be really a very interesting earnings call on yeah, so many fronts. Interesting. Yeah. Because two things. One, they talked about predicting they think they're going to lose 2 million subs in Q2, which they told us in Q1, but also do we get a lot more details around the ad support a business that will roll out as far as maybe we'll get something around pricing when it rolls out, where it rolls out. So that'll be interesting. And then also just what they're predicting for the rest of the year. Because keep in mind, for all the flack people are giving Netflix about having issues with the business, they tried to remind Wall Street in January, did not work, that they still expect to end the year, fiscal calendar year, 2022, uh, net positive in terms of total number of subs. Yeah. So will we hear what that number is Q2? I think they're going to have to guide forward on that. And then what do they think potentially per- percentage of subscribers will be that might move from the SVOD plan to the AVOD plan. So that that's going to be interesting to hear as well. So a couple of things to just sort of point out, Mark, is we've obviously seen a lot about Stranger Things season four mm-hmm. launching, and there was, there's two parts of that. Uh, but we've seen Netflix says the number we've seen is 1.15 billion hours uh, combined, both parts, which is a lot of viewing. Yeah. And it's getting close to Squid Game. Squid Games was 1.65 billion hours. That's incredible. So it's it's getting close. But keep in mind that Netflix uh, has a very different methodology of how they break down uh, hours and how things are viewed and what's considered a view. And, a while. and you can actually go and read their methodology online. Nobody else has a methodology like them. So hey, those those numbers aren't exactly comparable to other streaming services content out there. Yeah. But obviously anything you're talking in that range, one one point one five billion is huge. And then Netflix did announce it's developing a spin-off 
creating a new series around the Stranger Things franchise. So interesting as well. So Mark, what we really don't know, but you know, the question out there is, is Netflix and Q2 going to lose more subs than the 2 million? I've seen some people saying that they think Netflix will lose double that and they think they'll lose 2 million just in the US, let alone globally. But it's really unknown at this point. Yeah, it's completely unknown. It I is. also saw another report about downloads, right? Again, like, oh, Netflix wasn't doing great in downloads. And I was like, guys, relax. The Netflix app is, you, it, it's really not stretched to say you cannot buy a device unless you're buying literally like some OEM, you know, some, I don't know, direct from the manufacturer, you know, wherever it's built. You cannot buy a device without a Netflix app on it, can you? I mean, Oof, probably no. not. I saw one Chinese manufactured streaming stick. Well, I forget the name of it, right? And that was it. Well, yeah. Well, that that's what I meant by unless you're basically buying direct from off, you know, Ali, uh, what they call that, AliExpress or something. Right. You know, yep. Then, then, yeah. But, um, so I don't know. I, I've puzzled. I've puzzled for a number of years, actually, why people pay so much attention to, you know, app downloads uh, for Netflix. Anyway. Well, I think it's simple. It's just because it's an actual number people can point to that they know yeah, is being number. measured. That's, right. And that's it. But you know, let me give an example. Over the July 4th weekend, we're recording this on July 8th. So over the holiday, I swapped out all four of my Amazon Fire TV sticks with the Max. Mm. And I had to reset them all up. Now, first of all, Amazon, you get an F times a thousand for the amount of updates you have to do per fire tv stick they don't combine it all into one and i'm not kidding around when i say you have to do six or seven updates one wow. after the other wow. it shouldn't take 40 minutes to properly set up your fire tv stick and i've put this on linkedin it's I, it's so odd for a company like amazon to to still have that to that degree but uh you know i swapped all four and i downloaded netflix four times again yeah so I'm already paying a customer. So yeah, exactly. exactly. How does that be any and everyone else count me? Yeah, yeah. You're showing up in that number though. Yeah, I am. Download. <laughs> so so I've seen a I've seen a couple of Wall Street folks talk about just you know what they think positive or negative. The number is also interesting where they're talking about, and and this is an interesting thing to to truly watch Netflix do is they split up Stranger Things season four between two different quarters. Mm-hmm. Q2 and Q3. So the second half la launched in Q3. Right. So that's kind of interesting. You know, are they doing that to maybe help help with churn and retention? I don't know. We're, we're going to have to listen to that. But historically, they've never done that. They've just dumped everything out all at once for binge watching. So I, I thought that was very interesting to see them do that. And frankly, I think they need to do more of that just in terms of um, being smarter how they release. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what I'm going to be watching or just interested in is, um, so, you know, we have no idea uh, whether the results are going to be sort of net negative, uh, positive, neutral, where they're going to be in terms of uh, what people are expecting. So uh, if they tend to lean towards the more negative side, then it will be interesting to see how much the stock price moves. Because my question is this, uh, ha, has the market already priced in sort of like the uh, worst case scenario, you know, the most bearish scenario? Now, I don't have an answer. I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm literally asking that, you know. Just well, they have, I think. So 
so then the question is, okay, so let's say that, you know, they do lose more subs just for sake of this discussion. The stock price will drop. Yes. But, you know, okay. So it, I don't know, it drops by, you know, 1% or whatever, you know, some small margin, smaller margin. All right. That's bad, but that's different than if it craters another 50 bucks you know, or something right. where, you know, right. where it would just be like, and I just don't, I don't see that scenario happening. Because I just don't see anybody that can look at Netflix fundamentally and say it's now a failing business. They can't produce good content. Nobody wants to watch the content. People are fleeing. Nobody wants to come back. How can you make that case? Because it's because, not true. Because Mark, you're you're thinking way too logically. That's the problem, <laughs> right? A lot of people on Wall logical. Street don't. No, in many cases they're not. Now I've seen a couple downgrades to Netflix. Netflix closed out Friday, July eighth at. $186 and change. We saw a couple downgrades in the last few days, downgrading it to 165. We saw a couple upgrades to 200. But notice there's about a, you know, 15 to $20 gap there. That's about it. Many times we've seen swings way bigger than that. Yeah. So, if they if they take a a bigger number in Q2 than 2 million total losses for for subs globally, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to get hammered badly for sure. And you do have many on Wall Street. It's it's pretty interesting. I talk to a lot of institutional money managers, as you know, and it's interesting how they're looking at Netflix as almost like they've they're they're the dinosaur of the streaming space. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, they can't figure out this packaging, and man, they didn't get sports, and you know, they didn't get the F one. Well, I mean, we talked in the last podcast; they didn't put in a real offer in F one. Yeah. So all the media people running around going, they're trying to win that business. They were never actually trying to win it. But that, of course, made Wall Street interested in, okay, Netflix gets into sports, which sure. didn't make sense from a licensing we standpoint. we talked about that. Yeah, we did. We did. And just look at Disney. I mean, the fact that Disney came out and publicly stated that they weren't willing to bid any more than they did for IPL, mm-hmm. for cricket, because it was just too expensive. And they said something to the effect of they didn't feel they would get enough return on those yeah. dollars. Yeah. What does that tell you? This is Disney. And we know that's going to have a direct impact on Disney Plus Hotstar, their subs. And they still decided to to pass on it. So they modeled all of that, you know. They did. And so this idea that Netflix doesn't know, Netflix Netflix has been slow to move in the market. Absolutely. No one's going to disagree with this. But the idea that they can't figure it out, just like we've talked about previously, like, oh, my God, Netflix has to do advertising. It's so complicated. Come on. They'll figure this out. I'll bet you anything they go with Google. Hands down. I, I tell you right now, I bet you anything they go with Google. I'm not going to say why, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to bet that's where they, they partner with. Mm-hmm. Also, think about Google. Do they have a competing service in any way? No. Nope. YouTube no. doesn't compete. I mean, it competes on our time. We know that. YouTube, yeah. Yeah. TV, okay, that's live. That's not competing. So I, I'll bet you that's Google. But, uh, you know, Netflix, what was it? They lost $43 billion in market cap. On that Friday, the day after earnings, whatever the day was after earnings, like, man. So, Mark, you're you're thinking too rational. And Wall Street right now, what they're doing with stocks, as we all know, it's brutal. Yeah, it is. It so is. that's that's definitely one to watch. Also, just a quick highlight for some that didn't notice when Stranger Things launched, Netflix was down for about 30 minutes. So they did have an outage that impacted portion of their users in, in global regions. It wasn't system-wide, meaning it wasn't every region, every device, every platform. Mm-hmm. 
we don't know how many people it impacted. Netflix was not discussing um, just what the impact was globally and how many platforms and whatnot. I, I heard it was a config issue, which makes sense if you think about how they're dropping the content. It's not as if all of a sudden they didn't have enough bandwidth or servers. People said, you know, their infrastructure melted down, which of course didn't happen because if it did melt down and you ran out of capacity, you couldn't turn up that much additional capacity in 26 minutes. Yeah. That's that's not how capacity works. Uh, So that's, uh, you know, something else to, to note. Uh, ARPU, keep, keep in mind this number one Netflix reports as Mark and I are always talking ARPU. ARPU in Q1 for Netflix was $14.91 in the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one to watch. And then Mark, I, I did look up here, just I think it's important we quote Disney properly on this. So regarding IPL and Disney and not getting the streaming rights, they said, quote, we made disciplined bids with a focus on long-term value. We chose not to proceed with the digital rights given the price required to secure that package. Yeah. So that just tells us how expensive sports licensing content is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a rational business decision. You know, it is. And and they modeled they modeled the 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 net benefit to Disney, you know, and by the time you consider that you're gonna have to write such a massively large check. It's, you know, even if you make a few dollars, you think about the risks associated. And so, yeah, I I think that's, you know, so I want to make a comment about how you started this episode. And, and you said that, you know, some people have wondered why we talk about certain things and why we don't talk about other things. And I, I don't know exactly in what context, you know, these people are asking, but I, I can assume that there's probably some people that wonder geez, you guys like literally never talk, uh, you know, other than an acquisition, you know, so like we talked about, um, Edgecast and, and Limelight and, you know, yeah, and Delta Tray about, and others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. But, but we're, but we're not talking, it's not vendor news, you know, it's not, you know, oh, the, you know, the, this company announced, you know, this new, you know, technology, this new initiative. So assuming that that's some of the question our listeners have, from my perspective, and I know, Dan, you and I have talked about this, you know, one of the holes that that we see in the industry is yeah, people certainly understand their own businesses, their own technologies, you know, their own um, uh, place in the tech stack, you know, to, to think uh, technically. But there's a fundamental, a lot of times, just misunderstanding of the business. And then that's what catches people off guard when, you know, suddenly a business shuts down or gets sold for parts or, you know, whatever happens and people are going, but those guys were so good. And it's like, you know, that's not what wins. And and that's what we're seeing in the market today. Um, And even talking about like, like these deals, these big media companies are doing the exact same calculus. You know, I invest in this, in this content. How can I monetize it? You know, what's the probability that we're going to get a return and a sufficient return? You know, yes. getting a returns, one thing, getting one that's going to make investors you know, happy. shareholder expectations, et cetera. Yeah. And, and, and so that's why, you know, I, I, I actually do really appreciate that we're talking about, you know, like rights and we're talking about, um, it, you know, digging in at this level um, to what's really going on in the business side. I, I, I feel that's a, that's a good value. Well, I, I think it. I think it's the most important piece because you know, the best business. I'm sorry, the best technology is not what always gets adopted. We know that. Yeah, you can go back to to 25 years ago. Um, you know, P2P. There's all kinds of stuff. Sure. Uh, and also, 
you know, the business side to me is what I also find most important. In the early days too, Mark, you know, when I was out in the field with, with the crew setting up webcasting things and running cables and everything else, more in the technical side, I quickly realized there's always going to be people that just know way more than me from a technology standpoint, right? Just more nerdy, more specialist, more focused, just like, you know, you have those that do encoding and then we have those that we call compressionists and yeah. take it to another level. And I quickly realized even back then, all this tech is great, but if there's not a business means here, there's not an application to apply it. That's right. Like, so to me that I always liked that aspect too, and felt that's, that's really what I've focused on the last 20 years. And, you know, regarding terms of how people ask about what we cover, it's not so much, you know, why didn't you cover vendor news, A, B, or C? It's, it's more of just how do you pick and choose of all the different news out there and all the reports and everything else? How do you cover things? And some people do ask, you know, hey, you know, can you talk more about vendors in the market and just, yeah. The problem with that is here's the thing is that in order to talk about success or growth in any industry, you have to have metrics and methodology behind it. And at least with streaming services, yeah. CDNs, the public ones and whatnot, we have numbers, right? Every quarter, yeah. it's like cable company, how many subs did you gain or lose? Who cut the yeah. cord? Who didn't? When it comes to the vast majority of vendors in our space, there is no metrics. And, right. you know, I got another press release the other day from someone who's like, you know, we grew revenue 50% last year or this year. We're on track to it. That's great. Except that I don't know what that 50% is based off of. Yeah. The other thing too is the amount of term sheets that are out in the market right now. I mean, I know more than a dozen vendors right now that are trying to sell, or I should say shareholders are trying to sell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not going to list names. Um, no. I've seen quite a few term sheets not under an NDA, some under NDA, but yeah. you know, even those, I'm not, I'm not going to say who they are, but that's not the point of, you know, trying to yeah. give out that information. The issue is you've got companies, vendors in our space that we all know by name yeah. that might be in a particular vertical application use case or, or niche in some cases, but they've been around seven or eight years. Yeah. They're between 10 and $15 million in revenue this year. Yes. And they're not profitable. And they've raised a ton of money. So what exactly should we be discussing? What we should be discussing is openly, but we can't because these companies don't put out the numbers, is why aren't some of these businesses growing? Yeah. And it's a whole host of reasons, as we know. It's, it's strategic it's missteps. It's, it's new management changes direction, focus, yeah. scaling issues. Yeah. But I think people in the industry would be very surprised if they knew the actual revenue numbers yes. of some of these vendors in the space. Yes, and and it, you know we, we have uh, we have said that we are going to do you know I don't know if it'll be a series or you know we'll sprinkle in to it'll have to be a series really, really dig into the business because I think there's you know this is an interesting this is a tangent I know this isn't in any of our notes here what we're talking about but but I really think this is super 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 valuable so. Uh, Here's just one like observation that uh, call it a, even a, a, a you know, a, a pothole that people fall into, you know, or whatever you want to say. So here you have, for example, Netflix or any of these large streaming services spending billions of dollars on, on uh, licensing content every year. And it gets widely talked about and there's all this talk, right? Then, you know, it gets talked about how their sub growth is uh, growing. And, you know, this of course back when everybody was sort of up and to the right. Um, and, 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 and so there was this automatic correlation that 
It's a massive market because Netflix is spending $17 billion a year. So surely to buy my software, my this, my that, my, you know, for a million or two is just like a drop, like it just falls out of their pocket. And based on the business that I do in the market, (laughs) I can say that in many cases, not all, not all, because there's certainly, you know, certain applications, certain products, certain, you know, where the value is there and where these companies do pay, you know, very significant. But I spend more time talking to people and coaching them down and not coaching them down by like, hey, you know, you're, you you know, we probably better cut that number by 20%, but coaching them down by, we probably need to cut that number by 70%. But the problem is they went into the market and raised money based on, you know, look at how huge this is. And investors, how can they possibly go do all or sufficient due diligence? Uh, they yeah, should. I mean, I, th- well, I think they, they can. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, and so uh, I, I find that there's this, um, you know, there's just this correlation that uh, often gets made. And, you know, and then you, uh, employees go to work and, you know, and they also are reading the same news. Oh, you know, this company is spending this, but, you know, we have this big company while wow, we're doing all this. And um, the first time I ran into this, Dan, was, you know, in Hollywood uh, when I realized, uh, not realized, experienced firsthand how little the studios actually pay for their technology, you know, and you're going, but it's a $500 million movie that they're producing across the production and the marketing, you know, like how is it that they can be just shaving just down to the, you know, well, that that's what they do, you know, and that's how it works. And yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's changed quite a bit. Obviously, these companies have become vertically integrated in terms of how they're producing content and technology. I mean, Disney buying sure, sure. BAMTech, but for a long time, you're right. It wasn't, technology wasn't thought of that way. But it, it comes back to, you know, the main point that you're making here is that it has to be a business model. It yeah. doesn't matter how big you are, Netflix, Disney, you're, you're not just going to pay anything somebody asks for for content. It has to work. And, and exactly. You know, let's let's jump in right to the news about Disney on that. So it's been reported at the Allen Company Conference, which just took place. Now, it's been reported. We don't have confirmation of this yet. But that Disney CEO Bob Chapek has decided to abandon the effort to spin off ESPN. Yeah. And the reason being live sports is is such a significant impact to Disney's bottom line where the streaming landscape is is a little more uncertain for Disney and others as far as growth. So why would they want to lose some of that revenue that they get? And the revenue is huge from the traditional pay TV providers. That's They're making that decision not based on what we want as consumers, because we'd love it online. They're basing it based on what works best as a business model. As a business. Right? And that proves the entire point that we're really talking about, because if you think about a year ago, what did Disney come out and say? They said, we envision ESPN, and that means Sports Center and everything else that you can't get on ESPN Plus now, but we envision that having to go streaming. Interesting. They're pulling back on that now. Yeah. So I, I, I found that interesting that that, that came out this, this week. Uh, also, we got quick little um, news here. Uh, this actually came out from directly from NFL's commissioner, mm-hmm. uh, Roger Goodell, who spoke with CNBC on Friday. So the day we're recording is July 8th, and he said that they are going to pick a new Sunday ticket partner by the fall. So we finally have confirmation of when that deal is going to be done. Yeah. There are multiple companies bidding on that, but we're going to know by the fall. And you know, tying into the NFL, the NFL is kicking off their Thursday night football with with Amazon, Amazon. for that exclusive first time ever, and it was 
pretty interesting to see. And it's about time, frankly, that Amazon announced an e-commerce tie-up with NFL for Thursday Night Football. So a week before it kicks off, I believe it's September 15th, the first game, uh, Prime member is going to be able to see special pricing for a week early on Fire TV sticks, smart TVs, of course, all things to stream the game, but also fan gear. And that was one thing I always thought was, remember when NFL came to Twitter, right? Yeah, there was no real tie-in on engagement and commenting, and it was just trolling, people trolling or putting curse words in the window, like totally useless. Yeah. So at least here, like finally, we have a commerce platform and a sports league now being like, okay, now let's allow fans to buy stuff. Well, Amazon better do a lot of that considering how much money they're paying for these yeah. rights. But it's nice to finally see that tie up, which yeah. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see in previous years. Mm-hmm. I think we should have. Uh, and then maybe just two other pieces of news, Mark. Uh, this one is, is obviously interesting. We don't have a lot of information here we can discuss, but European Union antitrust regulators have come out and said they're investigating Alliance for Open Media, what we all know is AOM, yeah, which has Google, Amazon, Apple, Meta. Yeah. Uh, and they said that they, this is quote, AOM and its members may be imposing licensing terms on innovators that were not part of AOM at the time of the creation of the AV1 technical, but whose patents are deemed essential to its technical specifications. So they're they're claiming, end quote, they're claiming that it may be restricting innovators' ability to compete with the AV1 technical specifications. And basically they're saying, you know, you may not be able to innovate now. So there's no official technical documentation out that I've seen yet of what the antitrust regulators are actually comparing uh, or whatnot. And we kind of really need to see that. But even without that, um, this, this sounds bogus to me. Yep. Uh, and I say that just because, um, full disclosure, I can disclose this now because it's been long enough, but I worked on the Microsoft EU case for almost three years uh, as as an expert witness and got to see just a ridiculous amount of documentation. Um, and, and so I have some insight into just how the EU looks at things. Um, we're going to have to watch this. Uh, every company so far that I've seen Google, Amazon, Apple, Meta, none of them so far have made any public comment on this. And I wouldn't expect them to until they actually see the EU document some things, get lawyers involved. But we're going to have to keep an eye on this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I I agree with you, Dan. Um, it's So what's really strange here is the – and it's a little bit confusing, uh, the quote uh, that's in this article, because – there is a um, royal, you know, there is a cross licensing requirement, uh, at, you know, f- when you join the AOM, and it's one of the things that keeps companies out um, because they're just, you know, they just don't want to deal with that and go through all the hassle of having the legal review and the patent attorneys, and you know, so. But what's confusing here is is that no one's exempted from that. So the idea that somehow the original founding companies, you know, get access to it, but then they, you know, they get access to everything, but they didn't have to contribute or some, it, it's very confusing. Uh, and I think it's just, I think it's a shakedown. I think it's a shakedown. 
uh, oh, you know, um, I, I don't know who's really driving it, but I don't think anything's going to come of this. Now, what's sad is that this is it could cause and likely will cause some companies to step back from adopting AV1 because they're going to say, geez, what's the point? You know, it's like, is the benefit high enough for the potential risk? Uh, and that would be really sad, you know, because yet again, you have a very good technology standard um, that may not be applicable to everybody, all use cases, you know, all um, uh, uh, technology implementation stacks. AV1 is less applicable, for example, in broadcast uh, workflows, but it's very, very applicable for people doing uh, video uh, conferencing, for example, especially into the browser. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering. You, you bring up a good point. And that's the real question here is, does just this news alone now keep some innovation from happening or companies that were looking at it saying, eh, all right, let's slow down until we know what's yeah. going on here. And, and yeah, this stuff we'll can get pause. dragged out for years. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and look, the corollary here, you know, unfortunately, uh, in fact, amazingly part of the reason, in fact, I think a large part of the reason that the AOM even came to exist was because of the onerous licensing terms with the original onerous license licensing and royalty expectations for HEVC. That's and what they say. I mean, yes. It was just, it, it was, I mean, it's crazy. The original was, you know, they could have gotten uh, the, the original very, very first proposal was like one and a half percent of Netflix revenue. Just as an example, if Netflix were to adopt and it was uncapped, it was just, it was mind boggling, stupid. <laughs> and so, you know, the whole industry is like, well, we're not going there. And then AOM spun up now, eventually, you know, it all sort of got resolved. And of course, now HEVC actually is in really uh, kind of hockey stick growth. I mean, HEVC is in almost every device sold today. Uh, uh, if someone isn't using it, they're planning to. It's, right, right. You know, but yeah, um, we see it the same way. I think it's bogus, but it's, but, but at the same time, if you're in-house counsel, you know, for, for a large tech company and someone comes to you and says, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? What are they going to say? You know, they're yeah, they're going to say, I, ah, it's bogus. You know, they're going right. to say, hey, look, you know, I mean. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, a lot of this is lawyers and it's it's not about validity yeah. or what is real or what isn't. It's, it's just uh, a different way of having to look at what is the risk factor you want to have in your business, right? Rule number one of business, I think, or what I always tell people is always have a margin of safety. Always. And so, yes, lawyers get involved and it's like, well, we got to be safe here. Maybe we can't implement and tell something. Let's figure it out. Even if they're wrong, can we afford to take a chance? Smaller companies yeah. can't. Maybe even larger companies can't. It's hard to know, but yeah. it's one we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on. I'm sure we'll talk about it in, in podcasts coming up once we get some more details. Until yes. we get some more details, there's there's yeah, too many there's unknowns. Not, not really much to talk about. Yeah. But uh, industry should definitely keep an eye on it. So, Mark, with that, we're actually at 30 minutes. Let's let's uh, cut this for a week. We actually covered a lot. It's incredible just how much we covered in such a short period of time. And we could cover a lot more things that we wrote down just that we thought were interesting news-wise, but we, we want to keep this to 30 minutes. So we are working on, as you mentioned, the, the business economics of what's going on in the market. It's definitely going to have to be a couple different parts. Um, I have finally started breaking down all the different news and pieces into different sections so we can cover it. Some of it's definitely going to be education around just 
frankly, how the markets work, right? A lot of people don't deal with institutional money managers and they don't know things like EBITDA gap. And so we'll go through some of that. So we are working on that. I know we've been saying on every episode it's coming soon, but you know, I've, I've almost have it done at this point. Uh, we also have earnings coming up. As we mentioned, we've got Netflix on July 19th. We've got AT&T on the 21st, Verizon on the 22nd, Comcast on the 28th. And then, man, after that, it gets it gets busy. With it first week busy. in August, you have Fastly, Paramount, then you have Akamai, you've got Disney on August 10th, FUBU on the 16th is having an investor day. So we're going to have some good data coming up. I also tend to look at data in Q2 as really giving a project, good projection of what potentially could or could not happen the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be helpful, helpful for us. I think Q2 is more important than Q3. So we've got some good data coming up that we can highlight. So hopefully we can get to the business economics side of this sooner rather than later. Yeah. But with that, that's a, that's a wrap for this week. We're, we're out of time. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, our longtime sponsor, Agora, which has been great. Uh, they've been sponsoring the podcast for quite some time. So thank you for Agora for that. Uh, we're also, we will be bringing on some other podcast sponsors as well. Um, so that'll be nice as well. So if you have any questions for Mark and I, definitely hit us up on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also check out Twitter, my Twitter and LinkedIn feed. I've put up all the news that we talked about today, quick little snippets of it. Uh, and we'll always put up all the numbers that we're talking about as well. So with that, Mark and I appreciate you listening. We know you have a lot of a lot of things to do during the day, like we all do. Right. A lot of news out there, a lot of things to watch or listen to, but we, we do appreciate you listening. So any questions, definitely hit us up. With that, we'll talk to all of you in the next show. Have a great week. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Think Dan and Mark are wrong? Let them know on LinkedIn. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.